The following message by Shane Sowers is brought to you by Central Baptist Church, Aurora, Colorado. www.cbcaurora.com Okay, all right, today we're going to start our new series in the book of Micah. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Micah. If you don't know where the book of Micah is, it's between the books Genesis and Revelation. I don't know, hopefully for many of you, it's not the place where the pages are still stuck together. <laughs> yeah, we had, that, we had an issue with that at Bible college. Every We made fun of people that had the Bibles where the pages were still stuck together. So what we all would say is, oh, no, 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 I just bought this Bible yesterday. See, that's how you get out of that. Okay, so Micah chapter 1, today we're going to be in part 1 of verses 2 to 7. There was an article in Christianity Today where Lloyd Steffen would write, Honesty is not praised much these days. We pay it some lip service, of course, and we tell our children to be honest in their dealings and with their feelings. But many of us would rather have our children be shrewd than honest. We want them to learn how to be suspicious, how to protect themselves, how to ward off fast-talking people and nicely packaged, well-advertised distortions of reality. We hesitate to praise honesty too much or to encourage it at the expense of common sense or expediency or the pressures of practicality in the real world. Even experts in interpersonal relations tells us that too much honesty can destroy a relationship. Honesty now looks like a dubious virtue, if not an actual vice. It is studied and examined as a stratagem rather than as a hallmark of character. Honesty may not be the best policy anymore. Wow. Today in our culture, it's hard to deny that truth. We're seeing it more and more these days, but for many different reasons. But more and more today, it's starting to be that we don't want to speak the truth. We're just going to go more general to the truth because today we're afraid of repercussions. We're afraid of what speaking the truth might actually do to us. Questions are asked even to Christian leaders today. They're asked, these questions are point blank and there is severe hesitation in answering the question. And without answering the question, and without them really even knowing, they're answering the biggest question of them all, that we do fear man more than we fear God. That's all we're, that's all we're seeing. You know, the, these leaders and Christians that are in, in public, and they're asked questions point blank, and they can't answer the question right away, they think that they're being clever by answering the question without answering the question, but they're showing the world, everybody in it, that we fear man more than we fear God. So doing, that's what we're seeing. And this is a real thing, a real thing that happens. I, I was thinking even this morning, as I'm talking to Janine, um, it reminds me of, of a, a debate that was going on with uh, Doug Wilson and Christopher Hitchens. And Christopher Hitchens was a, a famous um, an atheist. And there was this, this DVD. You should go watch it. It's an amazing DVD. It's called Collision, I believe. Um, and it's a debate, an ongoing debate that happens with Christopher Hitchens and Doug Wilson. And one of the things that I thought, one of the greatest compliments that I thought Christopher Hitchens actually made to Doug Wilson was actually something that he said in jest. And what did he say? He says, it's interesting debating this guy, Doug Wilson, if you guys don't know, you know, controversial yet good stuff. Um, he's debating Doug Wilson. He paid him one of the best compliments while he was making fun of him. He said, you know this thing about Doug Wilson, why it's different from all the other Christians I debate? He goes, why is he different? I think this guy actually believes it. it's true. And everyone's like, <laughs> you know, and I was like, whoa, why you guys are all laughing? That's one of the best compliments I think I've ever heard. 
I, I hope one day somebody will say that about me. Like, man, that's Shane. I think he actually believes in God. And I wonder about that sometimes. Are we displaying this truth to the world today? Where the world are actually looking at us going, yeah, these guys talk and talk about God and all that kind of stuff, but I don't know if they actually believe it. Do they really believe it? See, we can't be honest. And that's the problem. The the reason why the world is asking us Christians these questions the way they're asking us is because they know what we're supposed to say. If they say things like, is homosexuality wrong? Is transgenderism wrong? Is there more genders than just male and female all of a sudden? They know what we're supposed to say because they know what the Bible tells us that we're supposed to say. And when we don't answer the way that we're supposed to in accordance with the scriptures, which they know, they wonder, do you guys actually believe in God? Or you might actually believe in God, but do you fear him? We're afraid. We can't be honest because we don't want to say anything that could cause cancel culture to cancel us. We're afraid to lose our customers. We're afraid of the potential insults and the persecutions that might come because of it. And most unfortunate, we don't want to say what people don't want to hear because we're afraid if we say it, people are going to leave our church. We're in a time where the world is more and more falling into disarray, more and more confusion. Do you know why? Because the truth is not being spoken about anymore, because there is no truth, because Christians in our world are not courageous enough to speak the truth. And you know what? If we don't know the truth, the truth won't make us free. That's why we're going to be in bondage. That's why there'll be confusion. That's why there's going to be disarray. Are we able to speak what is true even when we know we will be ridiculed, yelled at, despised, set up for schemes? We're going to face hostility, face all manner of persecution. Are we courageous enough to let them who are perishing, when they don't know that they're perishing, let them know that they are perishing? We courageous enough? Because they're going to be condemned, right? They're going to be punished. They will face the reality of divine wrath. Ah, but Shane, will God really bring judgment? Is God really going to judge them? Will God really do all the things he says he's going to do to people if they don't repent? If we don't change our minds? If we don't worship him, is he really going to judge us? Is he really like that? See, the reality, according to the Bible, says yes. But Christian, do we have the guts enough to proclaim it? For many of you, some of you are following me, uh, following what we're doing here at Central Baptist Church in our social media outreach, and we are bold, boldly proclaiming the truth to the world on social media. Many of you are fo- who are following and participating in the CBC social media outreach, you're witnessing firsthand the kind of oppositions, insults, persecutions, ridicule. You are seeing it all for all of us who are here defending, praying, and proclaiming the truth. Because I want to say that I would say that majority of, of our comments, <laughs> I want to say that majority of our comments is insulting, if not definitely negative. I mean, they will belittle me. There are several, there's a guy that's on there that just, he's like a troll. He's just following us. And he constantly refers to me as little Shane. <laughs> they belittle you. Oh yeah, they're going to belittle you. They're going to humiliate you. They're going to cut you down. They are going to say stuff about your family. They say stuff about my teeth. (laughs) Sure they do. But here's the thing, family. 
they will also be held accountable for the truth that they just heard. They're also going to hear the word of God that he promises that it will not return to him void. It is true that we are in need of the people of God to be unashamed of the gospel of Jesus, unashamed of the wonders of the law, unashamed of the salvation that comes from God. Now, sure it does, family. This is just a little side note there. Of course they're going to say that. Of course they're going to belittle us. Of course they're going to put us down. Of course they're going to hate us. Jesus told us that they were going to. And what did Jesus tell us? He said, know this. Yeah, they're going to hate you, but know this. They hated me first. When we became Christians, we know this. We know they're going to come against us. We know they're going to speak against us. We know they're going to set schemes against us. We know that they're going to be hostile to us. How hostile were they to Christians in the early centuries? So hostile that they put them to death. I wonder, I always ask myself this question, I wonder, we'll go to some of the most quote-unquote successful, large, you know, moving churches in America today, bring in a bunch of people with guns, and line up all the people who actually believe in Jesus and are willing to die for what it is they believe. How many people do you think would be left in those churches? How many of us are actually willing to die for what it is that we believe? And isn't that the reality right there? How many of us are willing to die for our faith today? Wow, Shane, that's a good question. I guess I got to think about that. Family, it shouldn't even be a thought. Throw me in the furnace. God's going to save me, but if he doesn't, it doesn't matter. I will not bow down. even though we know the message will not necessarily be received with fanfare and open arms, even though it's not a message that they really want to hear, even though it's a truth that is a light and men love the darkness instead of the light because their deeds are evil, God is still looking for those who will be a voice in the wilderness crying out, bearing witness to the truth today. Central Baptist Church, is that us? Can God trust us to be his people who will stand for the truth no matter what the opposition? No matter what it is. No matter what opposition we face. Are we going to do it just like Micah did? It said, this is Micah's task. This is what God has called Micah to do. What was he supposed to do? To proclaim what no one likes to hear. <laughs> That's a famous summary for the book of Micah. Micah is the prophet who was, who was commissioned by God to tell people what, what they don't want to hear. Family, it's been the task of my personal ministry for years. I know that these things that we preach, I know that what we are hard on, I know people don't want to hear it. <laughs> I know it. I know it. So let's take a look. Micah chapter 1, verses 2 to 7. Micah chapter 1, verses 2 to 7. Attention! Let all the people of the world listen. Let the earth and everything in it hear. The sovereign Lord is making accusations against you. The Lord speaks from his holy temple. Look, the Lord is coming. He leaves his throne in heaven and tramples the heights of the earth. The mountains melt beneath his feet and flow into the valleys like wax in a fire, like water pouring down a hill. And why is this happening? Because of the rebellion of Israel. Yes, the sins of the whole nation. Who is to blame for Israel's rebellion? Samaria, its capital city. Where is the center of idolatry in Judah? In Jerusalem, its capital. So I 
the Lord will make the city of Samaria a heap of ruins. Her streets will be plowed up for planting vineyards. I will roll the stones of her walls into the valley below, exposing her foundations. All her carved image will, images will be smashed. All her sacred treasures will be burned. These things were, brought with, were bought with money earned by her prostitution, and they will now be carried away to pay prostitutes elsewhere. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that it will be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first thing, if you're taking notes, we're going to look at today is this wonderful description of what's referred to as the transcendence of God over all creation. The second thing we're going to see is the eminence of God over all creation, the condescending love of the Father for his creation. So our thesis statement today is this. Though sin and the pattern of this world cause us to lose heart in light of difficulty and confusion in our current society, it is the power of the Holy Spirit and the truth of the scriptures that will cause us to rejoice in the transcendence of God and rest in the eminence of God, the Word made flesh, and the Spirit now dwelling among us. Wow. So, point number one, transcendence. God is so much more than we can comprehend. It's really important that we understand this truth. But before we get there, remember why it's important for us to study the minor prophets. Okay, one of the, I mean, there's so many reasons why we study the minor prophets. But one of the things that I pointed out that I thought was very important, especially for our culture today, the one major mistake we make in modern evangelicalism today is we constantly, family, constantly, again, now that I'm more involved in the social media thing, I'm starting to hear things and see things and, and I'm understanding where a lot of this stuff is coming from. We are constantly misrepresenting God. Constantly. Like they will say things about what God will do that he won't do. They're saying stuff about God, if God, God wouldn't do a thing like that, when the Bible is full of God doing things like that. It's constantly, we're constantly doing this. So what ends up happening is we have a distorted view of God. And this is really important. You know why? Because I remember once, I was want to say like maybe my, my first or second year, I was awestruck by this. It really hit me hard. As a young pastor, my first senior church where I was the senior pastor of, I was having a conversation with an individual who had a very distorted view of God. Now I started to talk to this individual about this is what God is really like. This is the God of the Bible. Well, I don't like God. Let's like that. I don't like God. If God is like that, then I don't want to serve him. Well, this is what the Bible says. Well, you know what, Shane? You just talked me out of Christianity. Okay, see, this is the point I'm trying to, this is how serious it is. People have this warped idea of what God is like, so they're believing in a God that's not God. And what happens when you worship a God that's not God? It's called idolatry. Wow. People thinking that they're Christians and they believe in a God that doesn't actually exist. It's not real. So this is what I'm saying. What we believe God is like and what he will and will not do is something that's really vivid when it comes to the minor prophets. Do we really know what God is capable of? We say things like, I don't believe my God could do anything like that. I don't believe that my God would allow something like that to happen. I don't believe God could do anything. How could you believe that God would do something like that? You know, I mean, how many Christians in this world I mean, that I've talked to, many of them believe that God won't do anything harmful to you. The harm that's actually happening to you is not the will of God. It's the will of the devil. So the devil is out there doing these bad things to you. God doesn't do bad things to you. You hear this, right? Well, hear this. This is what people will say all the time. But when we look at this, if you just go back a little bit to the passage of Scripture that we read, that we read here, where is the center of idolatry? In Judah, in Jerusalem, its capital. So I, the Lord, will make the city of Samaria 
a heap of ruin. My God wouldn't do anything like that. He just said he was. And he did. It's very vivid. See, and, and so we, we, we get this idea of what God will and will not do, but it's not shaped by the scriptures. It's shaped more by our culture, what it is that we want. Our view of God, what we believe about God's character, what we believe about what he will and what he will not do, needs to be shaped by the scriptures and the scriptures alone. Serious. By the scriptures and the scriptures alone. The minor prophets are very, very vivid when it comes to this. How vivid? You guys remember the study in Habakkuk and Zephaniah about what God did and what he said he was going to do to the people? I mean, the one thing that I thought was really, that was really, you know, (laughs) cold-blooded was how God says that he was going to kill everyone in Jerusalem and their bodies would be laying on the ground like heaps of dung. And I, I remember thinking that, like, whoa. Right here, at the very beginning of Micah, we see yet again the call of judgment. Judgment for the continued covenant breaking of the people of God. But what is interesting here is God is going to use the judgment that's going to come to Judah and Israel as an example of what's going to happen to all the nations that live in covenant breaking rebellion to the living God. This is super interesting that we see the the, the way he's doing this. Because here at the very beginning, do you notice He's not calling for the attention of the people of Israel and the people of Judah. You notice that? He called for the attention of the people of the world. Whoa, so when people try to tell you that, hey, you know what? God only deals with Israel. Israel's the only people that he deals with. The Jews are the only people. No, he is making it very clear. He is calling for the attention of the people of the world, not just Israel and, and not just Judah, but I want all the people of the earth to hear what I'm about to say. I am going to speak accusations against all of you, every one of you, not just Judah, not just Israel, all of you. I am calling you all out. It is the totality of the world that he's got in view here. He is going to testify against the crimes of all humanity all over the world. Now, now we've heard it said, right? In the plan of God, the plan of God is going to be carried out first to the Jews, then to the Gentiles, right? We've heard that before. This is an interesting play that we see here. It's a bit different here. Because here he's going to refer first to the Gentiles, first to the nations. Let me show you what will happen to you by you watching what I'm going to do to Israel and Judah. Wow. Let me show you what I'm about ready to do to you. You're going to see what I'm about ready to do to you by what I do to Israel and to Judah. The judgment is still, though, first to the Jews, then to the Gentiles. You know, we got to understand that, right? That's God's pattern, judging his people before he judges the nation. You know, and I think some people are just like, man, Shane, I got a problem with that. Why is God going to deal with the boys first? This is, this is his boys. This is his posse. Why is he going to bust a cap in them before he busts a cap in somebody else? You know what's amazing about this family? You know what's amazing about this? That should strike fear in the enemies of God. Do you guys see this? How, how, why this is, is important? It strikes fear in it. Why? Because if God will do this to his own children, you better believe he's going to do it to you. Wow. Scary, isn't it? Scary. God is, you know, when you see God bring the kind of judgment he brought down upon Israel, upon Judah, the stuff that he did, that's his people. 
the people called by his name. You think that the nations, the Gentile nations, are going to be safe from his judgment? I don't think so. He's going to judge the nation. Because Yahweh, Yahweh, is not just their God. God is the God of all creation. And nothing has escaped my eyes. Nothing has, nothing will escape my view. And we begin with a vivid, vivid picture of what we refer to as the transcendence of God. Transcendence. So important that we know that word. Transcendence. Transcendent. Everybody say it with me. Transcendent. Super important that we understand this. Because he's really making it vivid here for us to see. Hello, God is coming. The Hebrew word hene, translated, behold, look, see. This is here to get your attention. I am telling you right here, hey, hello, listen, listen to what I'm, you know how like on Sundays when I say, look, listen to what I'm about to say. If you forget everything else that I say, just don't forget this. Remember when I do that? Because I'm about ready to tell you something that's super dramatic, super important. This is what he's doing here. Look, see, hello, listen to me now. You forget everything I say. Don't forget this. This is how important it is. The drama, dramatic. What is the drama? What is he going to say? What's so important? So simple. The Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. Is that a Fox News update that somebody got? That's what it sounded like. Did you guys hear that? Made me feel like Fox News is on somewhere. I started looking at TVs. Um. <laughs> the Lord is coming. So, when we don't understand the transcendence of God, when you hear something like the Lord is coming, it's not that big of a deal. You think about that? Why would that be so important that Micah is communicating to the people, look, making it super dramatic, the Lord is coming. You understand the transcendence of God? you understand why that's severe, why that's huge. It's huge. The Lord is coming. Now, if you don't think God is transcendent, you don't think that God is this huge being that's above and beyond anything that we could comprehend, you know, if you think God is more like Zeus, Zeus is coming. Oh, I'm so scared. What's he going to do? Shock me with lightning, you know? When we don't understand the transcendence of God, when we hear things like the Lord is coming, it's not. It's nothing. That's why this is all he had to say. You want to get my attention? You want me? You, the Lord is coming. That's all I needed to hear. It, it just reminds you, right? It's, it's not the same, but it's kind of like the idea when you're acting up, you're not behaving yourself. You bring like, you know, you find out from a report from the teacher that you haven't been behaving yourself in school and your mom is looking at the note and she's reading it. And then your mom folds it up, looks at you and says these words. You wait till your father gets home. You guys remember that? You wait till your father gets home. You wait till I tell your dad. You wait till you, I tell your dad what you did, right? You see, it's kind of like that idea, right? Oh yeah, hey, guess what? Kids, guess what? I just got off the phone with your father. He's on his way home. And the ice cream that you're eating, now you lost your appetite. But family, the picture that she's getting here, do you know it's actually worse than that in this way that I can kind of illustrate? This is what I think it's more like. You wait till your dad gets home. I just called him to let him know what you did. He is so upset that he was fishing at the dream stream during the kokanee run, and he was doing really good with his friends, and he was in the lead. 
I called him. He is so upset that he packed up his stuff, <laughs> cut his losses, got into the car, and he is on his way home. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You guys feeling me? What is more like? Because God had to come down from where he was to deal with us. Whoa. Vivid, striking picture of the transcendence of God that God had to come down, yatsa, come down to tread upon the high places of the earth. Why is that huge? Because I want you guys to think of the highest places, the most extraordinary, amazing places in all of creation, in all of the universe, the suns, the stars, the super moons, all those things included, of all the highest, most amazing thing, the most awesome places, the great places, the greatest parts of the earth, the greatest parts in space, the greatest things, the greatest people, the greatest in all creation of the whole universe. You know what God had to do to deal with it? Here's the highest places in the universe. God still had to Come down. Oh, oh, did you see that? The highest places, the greatest things in the world, God still had to come down to deal with it. That's how awesome. That's how great. That's how excellent. That's how exalted the living God is. Think of the highest places. He had to come down still had to come down to deal with it. All the great in the universe, everything that's great. Think of the greatest people, the most powerful people, the most powerful things, the most awesome things in this universe. They're still under the feet of our God. That's all I'm saying when I'm, I'm, I'm translating this and I'm looking at this, I'm like, whoa, whoa. You know that moment you read scripture and you get goosebumps again and goosebumps telling you right now? This was one of those awe-inspiring, awe-striking things. God still had to come down. Still had to come down. There's nothing, nothing, nothing that compare. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 25. Isaiah 40, 25, let's be reminded. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Asks the Holy One. Who are you going to compare me to? Who is my equal? Don't, don't you step to me as if you are my equal. And the one who is not equal with us is coming down. He is coming down to deal with us because of what we've done. He is so much more. He can't be contained in the standard of creation. He can't be compared to anything else in this creation. That's why I say in my work in apologetics, the, works that, the work that I do, I say time and time and time again, we cannot prove or demonstrate God in the same way we prove and demonstrate anything else in the universe. Do you know why? Because God is nothing like anything else in the universe. Some people are like, you got to prove God to me. You can't. If I were to actually somehow, some way prove and demonstrate the existence of God to you, you would probably evaporate in steam. It's beyond. He's so much more. He's beyond. We can't demonstrate him that way. He's not like anything else in the universe because he's God, the greatest of all possible beings. If he was not the greatest of all possible beings, then he would not be God. He is so awesome. He is so transcendent that did you know that it's actually possible to demonstrate his existence just by thinking about who he is? That's how awesome and how great God is. 
God is so great, he is so transcendent, that it would actually be inconceivable and illogical to believe that he does not exist. Do you realize the only reason why logic and reason actually make sense is because God exists? Take God out of the picture, why should we be, be, we be rational about anything? Seriously, take God out of the picture. Why should we be logical about anything? But Shane, two plus two equals four. So what? I think two plus two should equal six. Let's get one of the political parties together and let's vote on an amendment to put in the Constitution to force everybody to believe that two plus two equals six. What's stopping us from doing that? Yeah, see? It would be as irrational. When people deny the existence of God, do you know what they're actually doing? This is what they're doing. There's God and they're going, God doesn't exist. Irrational? But that's essentially what we're doing. That's how amazing and that's how awesome he is that you would actually be irrational and illogical and considered a fool if you don't believe God exists. That's why the Bible says, a fool says in his heart, there is no God. Psalm 8, verse 1, Psalm 8, verse 1. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic your name, majestic na- your majestic name fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. He is above even all the things that are above the earth. He is above all that is above. He is beyond all that is out of reach. It's too far. He's farther. It's too deep. He's deeper. It's too high. He's even higher. And Shane, it's too much to comprehend. He's even more incomprehensible than that. You see that? And sadly, more and more in our culture today, we are humanizing God and we're now deifying man. Making God more like man, making man more like God. See this chasm? This is what we're doing in society today. We're trying to shrink that chasm The lesser we make God, the greater we make man, the more we can feel better about ourselves. Think about that. That's really what we're trying to do. We can't deal with the transcendence of God. If we continue to believe that God is this transcendent, that he's this holy, that he's this much, man, we start to feel bad about who we are. We start to feel bad about ourselves. I mean... You know, there are things that we want to do, but we can't do because of the transcendence. But if we can get rid of that chasm, the distance, if we can get rid of it, well, then we can feel better. So here's kind of an illustration. Would you not think it was worse for you to fly to England and instead of slapping a normal person, you slap the king of England? Now, you go up to a normal person, you know, in the street and you just, whoosh, I challenge you to a duel. Right? A normal person in the street, yeah, you're going to get fined, spend a couple nights in jail, you know, all that kind of stuff. You slap the king of England, what do you think happens to you? You get shot? Yeah, probably. The chasm between a regular guy, the king of England. Okay, see that chasm? You see how bad it would be just that distance? Now, how about this? How bad would it be? Would, would you be better off slapping the king of England if you were the president of the United States, though? You see, that might be different, right? If the president of the United States is slapping the king of England, that might be a little bit better, okay? They may just get into a fist fight and then, you know, be on the news, Right? <laughs> and then, you know, I can just see the people in America, you know, whether you like Biden or not, we're still chanting, USA, you, you know. Anyway. <laughs> but do you see what happened? Why is that different? 
if it's the president of the United States, because the distance in between is smaller. This is what we're doing with God today. This is why sin is not seen as that serious anymore. Because all it is is he's just the king of England and I'm the president of the United States. Sure, what I did was wrong, but come on. We don't see the great distance between humanity and the living God anymore. We are doing all that we can to elevate man. And man, we, we got to believe this. We, we got to believe that this is going on. It's actually happening in society today. The overconfidence of human beings today. The overconfidence of people today. I, I was reminded, uh, uh, here, here we have a group, uh, sometimes we have a group of, of pastors, you know, uh, that we used to have, uh, that we used to meet in Hawaii and have this group come and we would invite all kinds of pastors. Now, sometimes we would get some of those pastors that would come that didn't do the necessary things that they needed to do before they became a pastor. It was like one day they woke up in the morning and decided, hey, I'm going to be a pastor, and they just did. You know, like doctors do sometimes. They don't go to med school. They just open a practice. <laughs> they don't do that. They better not do that. But in Christianity, did you know that you can do that? Amazing, right? You won't let a doctor operate on you who didn't go to med school. But you would let an individual give spiritual insight that could condemn you for eternity, and you would follow him even though he didn't get trained. Anyway, that, that just blows my mind that that happens. But here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Sometimes you get those guys that didn't do what they needed to do. And we would be talking about a topic like transcendence. And we would say, hey, let's talk about the transcendence of God. We would do this kind of stuff. And you can see the look on their face like, transcendence of God. What does that even mean? And then we start talking about the transcendence of God and they're looking and they go, well, I suppose I should get involved in this conversation. And I kid you not, family, I watch this. It's like this hobby of mine. I watch what they do. Sooner or later, at some point, they bust out their cell phone. And they always, always go to Google. Yes. And they always end up on Wikipedia. <laughs> and I know this because I'll go check. I see them busting out the cell phones. I bust out mine. And I punch up Wikipedia. And give them a couple of minutes, and they go... You know what, Shane? I got a problem with what you're saying. When it comes to transcendence, I think you're way off. I think that you misunderstand the definition of what it is to be transcendent. Here's, here's what transcendence means. And then they start going, and I'm looking, and it's like, wow, that's like almost verbatim Wikipedia. Why do I bring this up? I bring this up because are we that full of ourselves? that you could take two seconds, read something on Wikipedia, and all of a sudden you're an expert now, and you're able to school everybody in the group. Where do we get this from? Why do we do this? Are we really that full of ourselves? That that's what we would do? A couple of minutes. And just get into these huge arguments. And the whole time we're sitting over there talking about this stuff, we're just like, that's not what that means. Where did you get that from? Who told you that? Who taught you that? Then you go to Wikipedia and you go, oh, duh. Why do we elevate man? Why do we do all that we can to elevate man? And then we have this kind of stuff. Why is this going to be a problem? Because the chasm has gotten so small. Now we think that when we sin, we do despicable things, like refer to it as simple mistakes. You guys have heard that before. All it is is just, you know, sometimes we're living life and we make mistakes. But see, our God is loving. You know, he's not going to punish us for the mistakes that we make. 
Number one, these are not mistakes. These are not mistakes. These are transgressions. Acts of rebellion against the living, transcendent, holy, righteous, Alpha and the Omega God. If we would punish somebody severely for slapping the king of England, what do you think the punishment is going to be for transgressing and rebelling against the living God? This is why sin is losing its power of conviction and the gospel is losing its significance. We don't see the great separation between us and God anymore. The more we make the transcendence of God trivial, the more we will not understand how horrible it is to sin against the living God. The more we will not comprehend uh, or, or make the transcendence of God trivial, the more we will not comprehend why it took the death of the Son of God to pay for what we've done. Does that make sense? Did you get that? Like, In order to satisfy the living God, do you know what it took? It took the death of the Son of God to make it right. And we want to sit there and call it mistakes? Oh, it's just just simple mistakes that we make. Oh yeah, so simple that Jesus had to die on the cross as a criminal to pay for our mistakes. The more we trivialize the transcendence of God, the less we will fear him. The more we will disrespect him. The more we will dishonor him. The more we will doubt him in what he says and what he promises to do. We will not believe that he is able. The less we will believe that Hebrews chapter 10 verse 31, Hebrews chapter 10 verse 31, it is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. The mountains, the mountains melt like wax. He is so far above, we can't even fathom just how much. That the mountains will pour out like water flowing down a hill. Dr. McKay writes this, This is a graphic description of the tremendous forces unleashed when the Lord comes to judge the earth. Nothing escapes the impact of his presence. The awesome reality will be completely realized. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. 2 Peter 3, 10. But the day of the Lord will come as, a, as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Family, hopefully this will give us new and even renewed perspective as to whom we are ticking off when we unashamedly sin the way we do today. You realize who you're infuriating? Oh, no, 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 no. There is, God doesn't know what he's talking about. It's not just male and female. It's them. Refer to me as them. I think you should call me them. The order of creation, the distinctions that the living God created, we want to trivialize. Trivialize it. The Bible is full of warnings about our transgressions and the consequences of not being or doing what God requires. We get to the place where it's so easy to sin and so quick to just rush into evil. Do we not see who it is that we are violating? Do we not see who it is that we're shaking our fists at? Do we not see who we're turning our back against? Do we not understand that he is so holy that it really does matter how we worship him? I mean, even, even I find myself and I have to fight myself every single day where we just want to be so passive. We just rest in the glory of God and just how wonderful and how awesome and how long-suffering he is with us that sometimes even when it comes to prayer, I just get so passive, you know? Like I, I'll, I'll be doing something, you know? 
fixing my shoe or something like that. And, and oh God, you know, I just want to thank you for, you know, everything that you do for us. And I just want to come before you and I just want to thank you for Central Baptist Church. And I just pray for people. I pray for Randy and Lori, you know, I pray every single day for you guys. You know, I mentioned Linda, I mentioned Bonnie Lee. You know, we all pray. I pray for you guys every day. And I'm, but I'm doing this while I'm tying my shoe, doing this while I'm fixing stuff. Let me ask you something. If you were actually going to have a conversation with the King of England, would we do that? Hmm. What about the Emperor of Japan? Are you going to go to his office and just walk in with T-shirt and shorts? Or are you going to wear the best thing you got? Do you know that when you come into the, even if you are not Japanese and you're not even of that culture, if you're actually going to go before the emperor, they make you bow and everything. Oh, yeah. You're going to respect this man. This is the king of kings and the lord of lords. The alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end, the prince of peace, the creator of heaven and earth in whom all things hold together. And when you're having a conversation with him, we're clipping coupons. I got chores I got to do. God, you should just be happy I'm talking to you anyway. Just be content with what you're getting. Uh-uh. We don't worship God any way we will feel like it. There is a way we are going to approach God. Oh, you don't believe me? Ask Nadab and Abihu what it's like to approach God in the way he doesn't want you to approach him. Are we walking around today misunderstanding the transcendence of God and therefore not fearing him? I mean really fearing him. Like Matthew chapter 10 verse 28, fearing him. Matthew 10 28 says, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Yeah. But then another picture is shown here, and we're going to close with this. Another picture is shown here. We see now the picture of God's transcendence, right? You see how vivid, how huge it is, how just infinitely large the, the distance is, and just how amazing it is, and how far He transcends, that He is above even the highest thing that we can actually even comprehend. Above that, He's just more than that. But here's the thing. We are in dread, right? When we see, okay, here's a transcendent of God. Look, behold, listen to what I'm about ready to say. He's coming. He's coming. Now, I know that on the one hand, we see this as absolutely a terrible, awful thing, that he is coming. And the judgment that he brings is going to be amazing, so amazing that the mountains are going to melt like wax. Melt like wax, family. The mountains are going to melt like wax. <laughs> but here's the thing that's awesome. He's transcendent. But yet he wants to have something to do with us. I mean, how amazing would it be if, you know, once a week the king of England called you. Hey, Linda, what's going on? It's the king. Oh, hey, king. How you doing? Oh, just checking to see how you're doing. Oh, that's it? Yeah, you don't need anything. You don't need any government secrets, none of that. No, 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 just checking to see how you're doing. I mean, how awesome would that be? I'm friends with the king of England. Just how amazing that is. That he would want to have something to do with you. We are talking about the living God who wants to have something to do with us just wants to have something to do with us, wants to have a relationship with us, wants to express his love, to express his greatness, to give to us his condescending love, to, ex to express his love to us. And what did we do? Transgressed and sinned against him. 
that even from the very beginning, mankind disobeyed him in the garden. And even though all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, even though we are all by nature enemies of God, we've all rebelled against him. We've all shunned him. We've all rejected him. We all have humiliated and insulted him. He still wants something to do with us. Still wants something to do with us. And you know what he did? He sacrificed his own son for it. Wow. Transcendent God, incomprehensible, can't even, wants to have something to do with us. We rejected him. We made everything bad. And what did he do? He still has mercy upon us. Sacrifice the greatest gift that he could give, the greatest gift that could ever be given for us so that we could have life and life more abundant. I've talked to parents. Parents, you know this. When it comes to your kid, you know this. You know what I mean? Like, we know what it is to sacrifice, you know, put in a position where we might have to sacrifice ourselves for our kid. You know, I mean, I was talking to Janine last night about, you know, let's say Scott gets into an accident and his heart is damaged and the doctors say like his heart is damaged. If we don't get a heart transplant in the next hour, your son is going to die. Was, is there any hearts that are available for transplant? There's none. (laughs) I asked her the question last night. Would you be mad at me if that happened? Would you be mad at me if I jumped out the window? <laughs> Check with the doctor. Hey, doctor, hypothetically, this is, this is just hypothetical. If I were to die like in the next 10 minutes, could you use my heart for my son? You, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't know if you guys have ever thought that that might be a possibility or something that you might have to do. Or to make it even maybe less dramatic than that, how many of you guys would push your kid out of the way who's about ready to get hit by a bus and take the hit for him? When it comes to our kids, it's different, right? So here we have a group of people that are going to be condemned to hell. And you're going, hey, Shane, there is a way for this group of people to not be condemned to hell. All these people who hate you, all these people who want nothing to do with you, there is a way. You know what you got to do? You got to sacrifice your son. You got to sacrifice your daughter for him. You got to sacrifice Sean for those kids. Come on. How many of us are thinking, nah, <laughs> enjoy hell, guys? I ain't sacrificing my daughter for none of y'all. I invited you to my birthday party, you never came. The Bible talks about that, doesn't it? That you could, you know, you would sacrifice your life for a good man. People, people would do that. This is a good person. You, you might sacrifice your life for them. But for your enemy? We were by nature enemies of God. While we were still sinners, Christ died on the cross for us. God made a way because he loved us and he wants something to do with us. That's why he's also eminent. Transcendent, yes, but he is also near and he also cares. He also loves and he wants to give you life today. The eminence of God, the transcendent God draws near. Our living God desires to be with us, which makes judgment even more real but it also makes salvation even more glorious. If you want something done right, you got to do it yourself. And he did. How? 
the word of God was made flesh and he dwelt among us. Jesus came into this world to seek and save that which was lost. Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures and he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. He became sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we could be dead to sin and live for what is right by his wounds you are healed and the promises continue it doesn't stop there do you know that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved There's life today. There's life in his name. We need to constantly be reminded of this. Constantly see how awesome our God is and the sacrifice, how great the sacrifice was that he had given for a people who did not want anything to do with him, but he wanted so much to do with us. Oh, yeah. Family. God, he doesn't need us. You know that, right? He doesn't need us. This is what makes it even more glorious. He wants us. Not only do we rejoice and worship the living, transcendent, awesome God who is at high, high and lifted up beyond the heavens, we have peace because our Lord is also eminent. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and He will one day come to judge the living and the dead. But also like a bridegroom, he's going to come for his bride to take us home so that where Christ is, there we will be also. Let's pray. Thank you for listening, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. For more information about Central Baptist Church, go to www.cbcaurora.com.